what brought you to press play is the intuitive knowing that you represent the new leader. The universe has directed you toward the entrepreneurial journey, not just to create a business and life you love, but something much more. There's depth to what you're seeking. Moving from an employee mindset to a business mindset, I have a hunch you've actually already moved through that issue. You're not operating from a place of lack right now. Now there's a magnetic force asking you to see something greater. You're a spiritual entrepreneur that needs to play a bigger game than just selling a product and making money. You're here because you are ready to build holistic wealth. Financial wealth is the easy part, but you are here to unlock relational wealth, a community to support you on your journey, physical wealth, vitality to play this magical game of life as long as you can, spiritual wealth, growth and an upward spiral of personal evolution, and service wealth, getting the greatest and most sustainable results for those you serve. Together, we're going to reimagine leadership, diversifying its image, and show generations to come that the golden age of abundant leadership has begun. I'm your leadership and life coach, Michelle Micah, and the host of the New Leader Podcast. I'm so excited to be introducing Priya. She is such an awesome human being. I think we connected right away. We initially were in this manifestation group and I think I posted something about like a a book club and she's a big reader. She also has a similar style in terms of reading as me where we kind of like pop in and get what we need out of all of these different books and just love self-development, self-help and learning a lot. So welcome to Priya on the New Leader Podcast. I'm so happy that you're here with me today. I am so excited, delighted, and honored to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, of course. And some of the things that I feel like I just want to highlight about her is she is an Aries. I just want to say that. And she has such a big, powerful energy about her. As you guys know, I am a Pisces. So being around that is super nourishing for me to see someone like really go after the things that they want and be really strong in every decision that they make for themselves. That was definitely my first impression of you. So yeah, thanks for just being such a powerful example of that. But my biggest thing when it comes to you is really understanding your story as a whole and something I feel like is really powerful to know about people is like what were you like as a little kid like you were you always like this were you always like really self-assured and had this strong grounded energy or like yeah tell me a little bit about what that was like for you growing up okay how do I put down 18 years into eight minutes (laughs) we'll try that we'll try that so I am ethnically Indian parents, grandparents, everyone is Indian, but we moved to Africa when I was four. So this is an Indian growing up in an African culture and then moving to America when I was 21. It's a lot of different cultures and meshing into one. And as you can imagine, if anyone has been a third culture kid, it's hard to find your identity in that. But the one thing that is constant across any culture is creativity 
Mm. and curiosity. You'll always be having these questions and you'll always be wondering what the world can give you next. So as a kid, I was always curious and I was always creative. I loved pretend play. So I had this one kitchen set and that kitchen set was either like me being a homemaker or me having a five-star restaurant or me being in a tiny cafe. Just that one kitchen set became so many things for me. And I've always found so much fascination in the world and being from this place of seeing different cultures, it just peppers everything, right? And so as a, as a kid, all I wanted to do was explore the world, imitate it in my tiny bedroom and just immerse in it because the world is a big, beautiful place full of so many creative people. And I just wanted to bring a little bit of that into my playtime. And I, I am still like that. I love to see what people are doing. I love to understand what they're doing. That has never really gone away. Yeah, totally. It's funny because I know I completely agree with you when you say like, as a kid, you do have so much curiosity, but I kind of was split in that. Like I, I was more of like a really quiet, shy observer. So I like, didn't like to get into like that vibration of curiosity and explore until I like really knew my space. So I was like really fearful almost of like, okay, I'm a little skeptical of this person. Should I really play with this person? But what do you feel like kind of attributes to you having so much confidence in trying to explore all of these different avenues um, when you're a kid just playing pretend embodying different like a store owner or like selling this or an artist I don't know what kind of like archetypes there were but like what attributed to you feeling so curious about life you know I never thought of myself as confident until you brought it up to be all these things because I thought in life you can just be anything right if you just work hard enough I think as a kid I was just looking for my place in the world and how will you know your place if you don't experiment yes and and I think that I have I think when you're a kid you just want to be an adult and then you're an adult and you're like (laughs) oh my god the good days are way behind us yeah but I think One of the biggest things for me as a child was to know that there's so much more tactileness in this world, right? Like there's so much more you can touch, feel, you can go through. And so I just wanted to experience all of that because as an only child, Mm -hmm. um, my both my parents were working, right? So there were lots of hours where I was alone. And so either it was reading to get my mind to all these amazing, delicious places, or it was toys where I could tactile, you know, like have these cups and plates and like pour coffee in it and do things like that. So I think I just always just wanted to be an active participant in my world. Yeah, that's all it was. Totally. Yeah, I think that that is such a powerful analogy too, of like really being able to tap into your inner child as an adult is so important because it allows you to kind of catapult back into like having that sense of play and curiosity and creativity. And I think something that is really hard for a lot of people, I know there's lots of coaches that are listening to this, entrepreneurs, people that want to do really big things in the world. The scariest thing I believe is being able to explore, being able to like experiment. Nobody tends to want to go through those stages because I think innately we're like, okay, well, there's a potentiality that I'm going to fail. And that's a big piece, not just, I mean, yes, for everybody, but also we have another layer as people of color because we are in a lot of spaces and maybe I need to raise my hand and just talk about myself in this case, but I grew up in a lot of spaces that were predominantly white. So I was already feeling different 
to start when I entered the room. But then if I explored and played and made mistakes, that felt like something I couldn't do because people were already kind of watching to see what I would do. Is she going to say something that's inappropriate? Is she going to do something that feels weird? Some people didn't um, identify, you know, with me and my culture. So they were looking to see ways that they could kind of like insidiously like put me down. Not in all cases. So I don't want to say that that was my the entirety of like me growing up, but that happened often. And growing up in the early 90s, that was like a lot of people were not a lot of access to education, not a lot of access to language around these types of things as a child. So I don't know if you want to speak to that in terms of how you grew up, in terms of how to like, yeah, maybe your color impacted, held you back. Um, with being able to be curious or did you just bulldoze right through those things when you're a kiddo I don't have a hundred percent answer to say I always bulldoze yeah. things though yeah. I do I do want to acknowledge that being a person of color especially an immigrant it is tough because we are trying to fit into this mold that was created by other people for other people yeah. and just how we have evolutionized over time is that we want to be part of a group because that ensures our survival, right? And so when you're an outsider, when you're a foreigner, when you're an immigrant, you're trying really hard to say, hey, I deserve to be part of this group. And so you're going to do more than you can. You're going to work harder than you possibly can and to do all of these things to be included. So it is natural to be scared, right? It is. And as a child, it's even worse because your survival depends on others. Mm -hmm. You go to school in a third as a third culture kid. You don't know anyone. It's so mm -hmm. hard to fit in. And so I have so much empathy for that because I, I never really felt like I belonged, right? Yeah. But you know where I did belong was in my own bedroom with my own toys. And so I think curiosity and creativity are so important because you can create a space for you. Mm -hmm. It is your safe space. Yeah. It doesn't have to be an entire like 10 by 10 square foot bedroom, right? It could just be that corner where you have these things that are so treasured that are so yours and you can keep going back to them. Yeah. So it's it's not easy. Definitely as an immigrant child, it is not easy to fit in. And curiosity and creativity are probably the first things that go out because what do you want to do? A, you want to, well, curiosity would stay because you want to know what people are doing, but creativity, no, you you are not free to explore yourself. You're not free to explore where your mind is taking you. And so as a child, when creativity gets squashed out and you're put into these frames and these molds of what you have to be and what you have to do, it becomes like this lifelong journey of trying to go back. Yeah. And it's so hard. Totally. Oh, my God, that is such a good point. And there's a ton to un unpack there. I like for me, I didn't realize when you were explaining like okay just being in your room being curious like having all of your things feeling safe by yourself at home I had that same experience and I think there's so many um, different narratives that you can have around that like oh she had to like isolate herself or again I can just talk about me when it comes to this like she was like kind of you know maybe um introverted or just wanted to be alone and that could be perceived a certain way but also because we had that time on our by ourselves our imagination our ability to problem solve our ability to like be creative and have like so much um, certainty in who we are in our adulthood was because we spent so much time in our internal worlds during that period of time right and I think there's two topics that I really want to unpack a little bit here that you mentioned and it was like just really having one, the proper narrative. And for you, it was curiosity and play. 
And then also understanding like being how or having a lack of sense of belonging actually isn't that unique to us as people of color. And that for me is something that I can kind of relax into because I thought I was so alone in feeling like that for so long. I'm like, why am I so different? Why can't I, something so like menial as like, I can't land the boyfriend. Like how come like no one likes me? And I think retrospectively, like, I think there was a lot of just traditional ideologies around beauty. And I think when it came down to it, if I was very similar as another white girl, but if a man, if a guy had to choose between the two of us, he probably would like just maybe consciously or unconsciously go to the white girl, right? So it's little stuff like that, that like made me feel like it was me, but also it's a bigger collective macro narrative around people of color, me being Asian, feeling like a foreigner, feeling like I was on the outside. I personally never attributed that to my color. I thought it was just people didn't like me, but I think there was this bigger, yeah, just um, understanding in the collective that like we were still trying to find out ways to be more interconnected and understand each other's differences. It's not like that as much anymore now, which is really beautiful, but I just wanted to acknowledge that narrative and sense of belonging there. We, a lot of us go through that. So it's so important that we're recognizing that now. So my question for you at this point, that was kind of our individual experience. How did your parents really impact the way you navigated through the world? Oh, I hope they're not listening. Um, <laughs> I think parents try to do the best that they can. And um, in the Indian culture, we have, well, Hindu culture specifically, the Hindu religion, we say we treat parents as God and parents can do nothing wrong. And parents, and you know, they say that parents do the best that they can for us. And um, I would like to take this moment to say this to every adult who as a child sometimes felt that their parents didn't understand them or that their parents didn't know best, that those two truths can exist. Yeah, for sure. It can be possible that your parents think they know the best for you, and yet that might not be the best for you. Mm -hmm. And that is such an important acknowledgement for children of color because parents are bringing their notions of growing up and futures from one culture and implanting it to another. And they can do it out of sense of, you know, being afraid. They can do it out of sense of preservation of their own culture. There are so many aspects that come into this. But for me, my parents instituted obviously a lot of work ethic. But because I was first generation immigrant, mm -hmm. everything just felt life and death. Because you're coming from this country, right? You've left your own family behind. You're this nuclear family. You have a very small support system because it was just me, my mom, and my dad. And you're in this other country where you're working on contractual basis. So, you know, you only know what you're going to be able to do for the next three years. You can't see beyond that. Mm -hmm. And so there was so much of this urgency that honestly was, it, it became life-threatening at one point because my body couldn't handle that stress. So as much as I love my parents, as much as I am so grateful for all that they went through, I just want to acknowledge that as much as they brought, they taught me work ethic, they also put this fear of life and death into me. And it's so important for us to undo that because when they work so hard to bring us here, they're they're trying to give us their the best life that they can. And part of the best life is our health, is our finding our own path. And it might not look like something that they'd want, right? Because they have these ideas and notions of us, but it is so important to explore that. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. There's something really important that you're saying here. And survival is such an insidious thing, though it can help, right? They came here and gave us all of these tools, like you were mentioning. It impacts us much differently because they're giving us tools of survival when we're not even needing to be in survival where we're at right now. So we can't then access things like creativity, abundance, thinking greater, thinking bigger, because what's our foundational energy? their survival and fear, right? So you said mentioned something about um I don't know if you said the word life ending or yeah, like something that really impacted. Felt, yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Life and death. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Did it impact you? How did that impact you? Can you get a little bit more granular in terms of like, was there mindset stuff? Was there physical ailments that were happening? How did that type of energy impact you? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there's a mind and gut connection, right? And a lot of immigrants will tell you that they have gastro issues and they think it's it's eating something or something like that. No, those are when you're in stress, when your body is releasing cortisol and you've just been so used to being in stress, right? That you kind of just think it's a part of life yeah. and that your body is doing all these things that you know it's not supposed to do, but it's been doing them for so long. You just kind of live with it. And so a healthy body, a healthy mind, those are things that sometimes we're not blessed with when we're immigrant kids, because we're seeing we're not just having stresses put on us by our parents. We're also like absorbing the stress that we feel around in our families. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of for me personally, I have, you know, gastro issues as well. And at one point, I had to have surgery, because it got so intense. I was six months on just painkillers couldn't do it. And I had to have surgery. And I had to say, okay, I have to change the way I look at life. Because I can't keep living like this. I can't, everything cannot be life and death. I cannot be waking up at 2 a.m. shivering. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I decided that life has, to, I have to ask more questions of life. I cannot take their framework for life as given. And so yeah. that that's when the curiosity started coming back again. Oh my gosh. Okay, so something that I tend to say a lot to myself and it's actually gotten me, many of you guys have heard the story about me, but like I was in a really abusive relationship. I had a lot of financial issues. Like I was super rock bottomed out like in my early twenties. And something that really helped me just this one mantra or one question was the quality of life is equal to the quality of questions that you ask yourself. So instead of saying things to myself, like, why is this happening to me? Why doesn't anybody like me? I would then ask myself like, what needs to take place in order for me to feel nourished right now? What needs to take place in order for me to upgrade out of that? And once I started asking higher quality questions, they my life got better just slowly but surely. And at the like smaller scale, at least I started to perceive my reality just a little differently. So for you, I know that there was a lot going on in terms of physical health during whatever that time. How long ago was that? This just, was about three years ago, three, four okay. years ago. Yeah. So what types of questions did you start to ask yourself at that point? So one thing that happened was my father actually had kidney cancer. And okay. so he struggled with it for five years. And mm -hmm. the survival rate for kidney cancer, especially the, the size of his tumor, is not great. Mm -hmm. When I saw the way he was leading his life, mm -hmm. and you know, as an immigrant, I don't know how many people would identify with this, but we have this mentality of saving money for a rainy day, right? So oh, yes. <laughs> save, 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 my mom would say. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, he's, we saved all our lives because there's yeah. a rainy day coming. There's, there's ever, there's always going to be a rainy day that's coming. Right. And so when my dad fell sick, he had enough money for the best treatment in the world, but, but that didn't save him. Mm -hmm. And so I started asking, what am I asking money to do for me? And 
what is the trade-off between saving money today and tomorrow? Because this is one thing that hurts my soul so much. So this is a very personal story, but I'd like to share this in hopes that it helps someone out there when they can't decide or when they're in this analysis paralysis of saving for their future selves. Yeah. One of the things my dad hated to spend on was restaurants. Okay. He just thought that if my mom and I went to a restaurant, would eat all the food and would bankrupt him, which is obviously, you know, it's literally not possible. And so he just never wanted to eat out. Right. And we slowly phased him into it but he would never enjoy it he'd always be in this mind state of oh my god we're spending too much money Mm. and so at one day while he was still in his treatment for the first time in his life he told my mom he wanted to eat something from a restaurant right like for the first time he was like I want to eat it's called a tandoori roti it's it's roti but it's crispy it's not soft like naan and he's like I really want to eat that and you know my mom was overjoyed like she he's (laughs) in treatment but he wants to eat something you know let's get it to him And so she goes, she buys it, she brings it back home, heats it up, crisps it. He has a bite. He has two bites. And then he goes and pukes. Mm. His body couldn't digest that. Wow. Wow. And so what are we putting off joy for? What are we asking money to do for us? Because I know you save $10 today and maybe, you know, a month from now, it's going to be a $15. But if at that point you're so sick, even those $15 is not going to save you. Yeah, literally. I, um, what's coming up for me right now, as you're saying that one, so many things around my dad and him just feeling so contrived with life. I feel like that's, potentially a commonality between a lot of immigrant fathers too but because they have to hold and be responsible for so many different types of things but something that I can I think everybody can relate to here is this deep stress that we all have and if we continue to do things and operate out of this place of fear and stress one we can't actually experience the fullness of life and two we might continuously be on this like same pattern where we, when we actually make the decision to enjoy life or just try and attempt, then we won't, it might feel a little too late at that point. Or there's a lot of unraveling that needs to take place in order us for us to even access a point of joy. But if we make a small pivot in terms of understanding, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. So it's how you spend spend money, not what you spend money on. It's how you're eating. It's not like what you're eating exactly. Then you can actually digest things appropriately or enjoy what you're spending on. And I think something that is really useful, like a useful frame for all of this to make those tiny shifts in our lives is manifestation. So, and it's like such an easy entry point. That's something that we connected on initially, because like I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, um, we met in a manifestation group as well. And so you obviously went through all these crazy things in terms of not crazy things, but just like life milestones, being being an immigrant yourself, navigating the world as an immigrant child with your parents and a lot of unraveling and work there. Was manifestation a really powerful point where you started to wake up to these types of things or did you find other points that made you connect to your inner world and your spiritual path oh such a good question I think so I've been in therapy for a very long time and so you do trauma work right you're resolving your trauma what I like about manifestation I don't think of manifestation as magic I think of manifestation as looking forward when you're healing trauma rather than staying in your past Totally. So manifestation is saying, 
how do I heal the wounds of the past for a better future rather than just sitting to this, sticking to this idea of how do I just heal myself? Because that gets depressing over time, right? Mm -hmm. So manifestation for me is like a goal setting thing that if I can resolve (laughs) this feeling about myself, I can show up better and open up more options, you know, more possibilities for myself. So that's how I look at manifestation. And I think uh, the group that we met on TBM, the biggest part of that for me, because I'm curious, are there journal prompts? They give you all these questions that you have to ask yeah. yourself. And I have realized it's I'm turning 29. So 28 and a half years of my life, I've been operating from just this place of should be's yeah. rather than what could be. Mm-hmm. And when you start that shift, right, it's the scariest thing you can do. It is absolutely the scariest path you can pursue because asking questions, I feel like as an immigrant, it it feels illegal almost, right? Like, how dare you ask questions? Yeah. We worked so hard for you. We had all these plans (laughs) for you. So how dare you? (laughs) But really, yeah, yeah. I think questions like if they say don't have a boyfriend, but why? Yeah. Like that, just even saying, but why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is so scary. What I have realized in this whole journey is that, yes, I don't have a sense of belonging as a third, you know, culture kid and all of those things. But I think all of us need to understand ourselves fundamentally at an individual level Mm -hmm. and then find people that we integrate with at that level. That Mm -hmm. level is not cultural. It's not religious. It's not any of those things. Yeah. There are certain values that transcend all of these layers. Yeah. It's (laughs) like, for sure, it sounds so simple, but definitely not easy, right? There's so much like, just like deconditioning, unlearning, um, self-inquiry, being able to be in stillness so we can actually even get to that center point of like, who am I? What are my values? What do I really want for my life? How do I future pace my life? So then I can start attracting the individuals that are conducive and supportive to that. So yes, I hope that people can take that away from this conversation in terms of being like, okay, if I can just start to really reorient myself to what I want in the future, what do I want to create? What's possible for me? And then what type of people do I get to actually have around me to make that happen? I think that can be really supportive and exciting for people. But on the other side, which a lot of people you know, tend to kind of like resist is that shadow work aspect, really facing off with those demons that are internal, because we all know that you can only experience that joy and bliss and abundance equal to how deep you're willing to go, right? It's the roots to a tree. So for you, just so that we can, we'll start talking about more of that future and what you want to create, but I would love for you to share a little bit, what were just a couple tools or turning points for you that allowed you to maybe forgive your family or forgive yourself or find a sense of peace on that spiritual journey for you? Oh my goodness. I am still on that journey. I'm not, I haven't reached a destination. I think forgiveness, I think is probably one of the highest virtues that we can have, but it's also the most difficult to access. Yes, babe. Yeah. (laughs) Because forgiveness comes after. So I think one of the things that I would definitely say to start off with is when you look back onto past versions of yourself the decisions that you made the other people that were involved start off with empathy for yourself 
Mm-hmm. And empathy for self is so important because we pr- give so much empathy to others that we invalidate our own emotions. Mm. And if you're wow. not being kind to your past self, there's no for- there's no true forgiving of others. Mm-hmm. You can keep forgiving everybody else and then eventually you'll be so angry at having to do that. So there always has to be space for yourself, for your narrative and someone else's narrative too. So your parents could have wanted the best for you and you would not have been happy with that. Those are two things that can absolutely be true at the same time. Yeah. So acknowledging the dichotomies of feelings, of outcomes, of you know options that were presented to you, I think that is the first starting point. Just yeah. acknowledge it and sit with it. And I think curiosity, again, comes into this right who am I as a human being who do I resonate with and sometimes these answers like always question your answers as well Mm -hmm. right so there's it's never like if I'm like okay I I think that honesty is the most important trait okay is that even honesty at to the point of cruelty interesting right okay so what what am I trying to achieve when I want to when I think that honesty Uh, is, is my biggest you know, tool? Like, am I trying to shove my narrative into someone's place? Am I trying, what am I trying to do? So just question yourself over and over again, because we come with so many layers. And when I say so many layers, we have these millions of years of evolution, right? And then we have our ancestors, and then we have our parents, and then we have ourselves. Yes. Right? That's a lot of yeah vibratory states that we need to move through and unpack. But this is why what you said earlier, us coming back to the individual, what do we actually have control over? And when we think of all of these additional things that are very much part of our DNA and the creation of who we are, right? All of the past generations, all of the people that we've met within just even this lifetime, all of these, of course, impact and influence us. But I think an easy way to kind of approach spirituality and that journey so you don't feel so overwhelmed is to come back to the self and say okay what is it about me that I really want to learn about and then once you get to the point where you're like feeling at peace with where you're at you're not constantly doing shadow work and getting obsessive with this I listened to a podcast um, by somebody it's like why are you doing any of this healing work is it because you love yourself or because you hate yourself and that was a huge one because I definitely was in that camp of like, I think I hate myself. It was like punishment. You need to fix yourself, heal this, make sure you're manifesting this, be in a good vibrationary state so that you can actually attract what you want. And if you're not able to do that, then what are you really doing? So it was another way to just punish myself after coming from this whole experience already, again, into my early 20s, where I was going through a lot of survival punishment experiences anyways. But again, coming back to forgiveness, I feel like kind of closing all of these loops together. Once I was able to look at those past versions of myself, whether that's from past lifetimes or even just in this one, I started to realize some really important things, which was when I saw that in my actual physical present world, I wasn't making friends, the ones quality friends that I wanted. I was feeling exiled and on the outside. 
But why was that really happening? So I got super quiet with myself, really started to like go into those meditative practices, journaling again, that self inquiry aspect. And I then realized that I was exiling all of the past versions of myself too. I was running away from them. I was like, why was she being such a slut? Why did she do that? Why didn't she speak up for yourself? Why did she, I was embarrassed of all of those pieces of me. But instead, something that has been really helpful now is always regularly being able to come back to those past versions of myself and start to frame them as, okay, she was not slutty back then. She was actually just experimenting and loving physical touch and wanting to explore her body. That's such a much beautiful narrative. So I started to really own that like inner teenager version of me. And I started to feel lighter in my current reality. And then I started to think back to all of those times I didn't speak up for myself as a child. Then I started to have empathy, forgiveness, and compassion for that little one. It's not like she had the language for it. It's not like she even knew exactly what was going on at that time if she wasn't able to speak up for herself. So when we start to really own and love those pieces of ourselves, really seeing that internal journey, that's when we start to get all of those big things in our current world. That's when we start to magnetize the right people. That's when we're starting to see, wow, everybody has so much love, compassion for me. It's because I was doing that internal work to make that happen for myself first. So that's really the journey. Hopefully you guys can start to see those little adjustments, other ways to reframe, just really relaxing into yourself so that can echo and expand out to creating the life that you want, right? I, I definitely want to add, when you look back at past versions of yourself, the thing that I always ask myself is, what privilege am I holding today to negate the actions of my past self? Mm, interesting. Yeah. So when you are standing, so for example, I was in a very abusive relationship mm -hmm. at the same time that my father was very sick. I was also doing my mm -hmm. PhD at that point. And, you know, I, I, I sit there sometimes thinking I could have left, I should have left that abusive relationship earlier. I should have done that. Right. And then I think to myself, at that point in time, I had no support system, right? Apart from my partner. I had a father who was dying of cancer. I had this degree that I had to pursue. So when we look at past versions of ourselves, we're standing at a very big place of privilege because we have hindsight now. Mm. Things have worked out now. Yeah. Exactly. And so I think if you can give yourself one thing, okay, is to give yourself the benefit of doubt that every action that you took was 100% the best you could have done at that point in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if you were at your 20%, right? But you put that whole 20% in, because yeah. that's the kind of forgiveness you need to give to yourself. Mm -hmm. I promise you, you'll be pissed at everybody, but the one that hurts the most, the one that sticks the most is the anger that you have towards yourself. Totally. If you're comfortable, can we just do like a little like prayer or just like intention right now? You can be as much part of this as you want to, but feel free to just like have like a soft gaze or close your eyes with me if you feel comfortable. But I just want everybody that's listening right now to just to take a minute and really connect with just that one past version of yourself that you feel like you might've been exiling. Just remember that experience that person had, what was around her, what resources did they have, what type of support system. And if there's any aspect of you that's feeling like you're really resisting that version of yourself, I want you to just take a moment to open up your heart to 
just be in a place of integration, love, and compassion instead. And if you are a visual person, then just allow yourself to make that vision of that person, that past version of yourself, very, very bright. And I want you to hold her hands and say thank you to her. And I would go as far as to say, just give her a deep bow for the strength that she had, for the willingness to be a warrior in that moment, to do everything that she possibly could to survive, to find a way to thrive, and to just start to have this experience with her instead that comes out of not embarrassment or shame, but deep gratitude and forgiveness for everything that she had done. I just wanna have just a quick moment of silence here for that. And go ahead and gently open your eyes. Ooh, this is something and a big practice. I literally just <laughs> got chills as I came out of that but such a big practice that we can do that took just a few moments. And I promise just you being able to go back and have just like some sense of gratitude for those past versions are going to radically change the way that you show up in the world now. Yeah, I, I also yeah. have this practice that I do sometimes because, you know, I have had a lot of life changes recently and I'm always in this constant mode of, um, uncertainty about what's going to happen just yeah. because of certain decisions and the immigrant status in the U.S. and all of that and I started doing this thing that was really helpful was before I would journal for the day I'd go back to a previous journal entry mm -hmm. and a lot of some of the things that have happened in the past that I was worried about right that I was worrying about while I was journaling are there and I'd write a letter to that version of myself and tell her that that has been resolved and like it was resolved in a way much better than she could have imagined at many times in much smoother ways than she could have imagined and I feel like that's such a nice way of closing that loop on yeah. yourself you know because we yeah. carry within us those fears and those insecurities and all of that and so when we go back to those versions of ourselves like journaling is such a good way of doing oh, yeah. that I agree you know so I, I've been doing that and I've been like, hey, girl, it's one year from when you wrote this. And guess what? Da, 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 you got da, all da. the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What yeah. would you tell? Like, do you have a specific as we're talking about these types of things? Is there a specific version of yourself that you're kind of coming back to? Like what age was that person? You know what? Last year was really tough. Last yeah. year was really tough. And so I have to do an annual performance review right now, which is what I'm working on. And yeah. I couldn't really get much done because of just life, you know, yeah. and I am really struggling to do it because all I want to do is beat up that version of myself for not being able to perform as much as I, you know, sitting here, I wish she had. And what do you want to tell her now? You know, she was going through a lot. I think some days I honestly... I, with so much going on in this world, right? If she made it out alive, she did a good job. Woo! And that's all she needs to fucking know. It's that simple. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I know that one of the biggest through lines to this entire conversation, and I hope everybody gets this from this podcast, is curiosity is medicine. It's like that one thing 
that can get you to just radically kind of unravel all of these different perspectives that might be influencing you and think differently. But I have two final questions that I want to ask you as we begin to wrap things up. And one does have to do with curiosity. Can you define curiosity and how you start to actually integrate play right now in your adulthood? Okay, curiosity is the ability to give myself options. Mm. That's all that it is. Love it. Right? It is saying that my rice doesn't always have to be white. I can put some (laughs) pea protein powder and make it purple or blue, right? I can add some blueberries and make it purple, right? So the idea that curiosity is just giving myself more options in life. So that's all it is because none of us want to be dictated, right? None of us just want to follow this framework. So curiosity gives you the key to do that. Beautiful. How I integrate curiosity in my life. You know what? This is hard, but I never shy away from a question towards myself. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. So it's a habit I need to journal every day. And it's just a random question. It could be from Morgan Harper Nichols. You know, she has these beautiful things that she puts out every day. It could be the journal prompt from that. It could be something that I saw on Instagram. It could even just be a self check-in. But every single day, I'm going to ask myself a question about myself because there's so much to learn about the world already. But I ask a question about myself. And it really surprises me because for the longest time, I thought my favorite color was pink and then turned out it was gray. And I was like, oh, mind blown beautiful (laughs) right so small things about ourselves how do I integrate curiosity and play in my life okay my partner I drag him to toy stores with myself shout out shout out to Prius boo boo (laughs) yeah Yeah. um no names given yet (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I drag him to a toy store and I will aimlessly look around and I'm like this is 10 minutes these are my 10 minutes and I will tell him all the toys I want to buy I love going to places that have miniature towns set up. So in San Diego, where I live, they have like this railroad miniature town set up. And it was literally a 1950s city. It's like 2,000 square feet. It is gorgeous. Yeah. And what else do I like to do? I like to buy a lot of stickers and just stick them in my notebook. And my, you know, I have like a black journal and I write with a black pen. And I was like, this is too depressy. So we put like a sticker of a flower. It's less yeah. <laughs> oh my god and that totally makes sense because your inner child likes tactile things like to put things everywhere for me just to give more people examples of play like I love playing if I'm not laughing during the day it was not a good day <laughs> this is just some aspect of me that keeps me such in the present moment it's just maybe that Pisces aspect of me too but I am like really um I'm clear audience so I hear a lot of things but a lot of it is like rhythmic and has a lot of sound in it so I hear music a lot or just like think of tunes really easily Oliver and I will make up songs together or fucking rap and make something (laughs) really fun but if we're not doing that at some point in the day like I know that I need to like shake it out and like jazz things up a little bit so for me it's like music sound poetry rhyming using my voice so which makes sense on why we're on a podcast. I do, I, I do want to add too. Sorry. Okay. I do want to add as yeah. a part of my curiosity and creativity. I think this is a little bit of an adult version of me that comes out, but yeah. I like to explore business ideas, right? Yes. So I'll have, I'll come up with a business idea and I will like spend days ruminating over it and thinking about its expenses and all of that. And that's like my adult version of pretend play, but it's so much fun. Oh my God, love- I love that. 
yeah, you live this whole different life. So like one day I had this idea of like a luxury um, babysitter. Okay. And so we'll have these chains and they're always at these like big malls. Right. And so like what kind of like we'll have an app where there's like the nanny can be trapped, tracked, not trapped, obviously. You know, they can have the (laughs) nanny. You can like even give your pets there and then you can put them to sleep, whatnot. Like, and I had this whole idea and I looked up all the luxury malls and I looked up different price points. And I could spend two weeks doing that right am I gonna do that obviously not I can't stand (laughs) kids on my best day but it was an idea that I gave myself the opportunity to explore I even had a name for it I had a logo I had all these price points I figured out I had these customer reviews in my head and (laughs) everything I love this so much and again like we I love how full circle everything that has been in our conversation but in the beginning you're like I like to pretend to have a little storefront and do all that and you still do that in your adulthood and that is so magical to me truly because some people will completely stop themselves and be like I don't even I don't have an idea or even just saying the sentence I don't know completely shuts off that curiosity and creativity Priya doesn't need to like make the store and pursue all of these entrepreneurial journeys she's an entrepreneurial spirit let me just like tell you that straight up but once she actually like finds that thing that will actually come into fruition I bet you she'll go all in but she allows herself this really beautiful permission to explore to go full out to be boundless in her exploration and I think that's what makes you as a person so so beautiful and magical okay I appreciate that thank you yeah So with that being said, I mean, thinking about the future, and obviously this is the New Leader podcast, I think a really important thing is to offer up your personal definition of what it means to be an abundant leader in this world today. So what does that look like for you? I think an abundant leader leads with creativity, right? Um, That's creativity and curiosity. I think those are the two hills I am ready to die on. Yeah. Explain a little bit more. I think a creative leader is about um, problem solving and not staying in the realms of what should be, right? It's all about what could be. There's like from should to could, just that little shift. Mm. Yeah, that's powerful. And so that's, that's the creative aspect of it. And the curious aspect of it is I think um exploring what are what are we doing instead of just sitting with this idea of I need to make a hundred million dollars right what are we trying to do how are we trying to change x person's lives right um what new technology are we bringing what new thought patterns are we bringing so when you lead from a place of truly knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it and it's not just tied to this money amount and all of these things you can lead so much more authentically Oh my god, your mic is really expensive, so I won't tell you to mic drop, but mic drop <laughs> right now. Oh, okay. Final thing is, is there anything else on your heart that you just feel like you want to share that we didn't get to throughout this conversation? Well, I will say I've been living my life as um, you know, you get to live one physical life, right? That's that's the, the truth of it. You get this one body right and they're like you have these two hands hopefully two legs hopefully all of these these different dimensions but you can live a million lives in your head yeah so the lifetimes that you can live are infinite beautiful and so when you're curious and when you're creative I think that you can live a million lifetimes you can give yourself a million dopamine and serotonin hits you don't have to go change every aspect of your life to get every joy of life Mm mm-hmm 
Your mind is a beautiful place, right? It can be very deep and dark. I completely admit that. I have also seen that side of it, but give it the freedom to experience joy, even to make up joy, even to fake joy. Don't be afraid of that because I think of all the things that we were blessed with, our mind can be so amazing. That is such a wonderful place to start to really end this conversation, just having access and always remembering that deep truth that we have infinite possibilities of what we can experience in this present moment. So thank you all so much for joining us on this powerful, powerful conversation. You're going to want to rewind and really tap into all of these different aspects of this conversation. But at the very minimum, I hope you just had such a good time listening to this powerful human, Priya. If you guys feel called to, please share this podcast with your friends so you can really start conversations around these similar topics and really strengthen your relationship with other individuals. If you feel called as well, please follow me on Instagram at michellemica.3h. Check out project32.com. Everything is linked up in the show notes below. And remember this, life is the ceremony. Your business is your offering and you are the medicine. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.